All right, guys, welcome back to the DDD Buzz podcast. Honestly, we got Josh Zuniga on here. Hopefully I said that right, Josh. Um, and sweet name. Got him on here, CEO of Zunex, owner of Zunex, um, pest control. So we finally got a pest control guy on here. I know I was getting crap from everyone, but Josh just has so many good insights about the door-to-door industry, the wards, ownership. He's, he's seen it all. So Josh, thanks for thanks for being on here, man. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, dude, give us just a, an intro on you know on yourself, what what people should know about you. Okay, so um, with me, I've been in the doors. I've done door to door for a super long time. My story is pretty similar to a lot of people and how I got involved in door to door. Was a broke college student, had friends that I served a church mission with who did it before, and they recruited me. And so I've been, I've been involved in door to door since 2013. Um, so a while now, but my story and what people know me for is I kind of, for years, I kind of hovered around 300 accounts and then I really kind of had a breakthrough year where I just really kind of figured out a lot of things about myself. And that year I ended up breaking the all time pest control record, sold 1500 accounts. That's crazy. After that, I did one more year. I was the minority branch partner at a company called Urban X when I did that. But after that, I sold my my shares of that and uh, sold my shares of that branch. And then I opened up a branch out or a company out here, my family, just because I wanted to involve them and I I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think a lot of people followed your story. When you broke the record, it was it's kind of like the the four minute mile or whatever. It's like, yeah. you know, no, everyone's like, dude, thousand accounts, but fifteen hundred accounts, you're insane. That's impossible. And you know, we'll we'll get into it. But now it's like, yeah, you're seeing people, you know, really reach higher limits and you broke the, you know, that that ceiling. So thanks for doing that for everyone, dude. I mean, it's uh, you're welcome. Yeah, well, well, dude, it's just crazy, you know. I if you've done door to door, you're doing door to door, you know what it takes to sell one account. Um, so 1500 accounts is insane. Um, we'll do that. Let's just, yeah, let's just go into that actually with your 1500 accounts. Like, dude, I know you have a ton of, uh, opinions, ton of thoughts on golden door, the awards, everything. Let, let's hear it, dude. Cause I think everyone has a lot of the same thoughts. Okay. So for me, my experience with with the Golden Door. Um, for, first off, shout out to Sam Taggart for creating like standards that uh, re- like reward everybody in the and in the industry and love, uplift us all as a as a whole. Um, so when it came to the Golden Door Award, it took literally like every ounce of me to to get to that point to push myself to that point. And so I have respect for everybody that's earned that reward. My personal opinion on it, I don't knock doors as much anymore, but having seen um, both the, the sales rep side and the owner side, like I've definitely formed my own opinions of door to door. Like I don't, I, uh, I view door to door myself now kind of more as like a tool rather than something I want to rely super heavily on when I grow, when I grow Zunex. But I think that where things are struggling right now in the whole as a, in the industry or the pest control industry as a whole 
is that there has be, there's become, there's a need for there to be an emphasis on retention right now. And uh, the shame that that need is there, but uh, I think it's to the point where there needs to be an emphasis on retention when it comes to Golden Door Awards. In fact, I think, I don't think that it should be given unless that retention is able to be audited in some way or another. I the reason people agree with you on that, I know you're going to get into it, but yeah. it seems controversial, but I don't think it's that controversial. No, it's not that controversial. Um, there's rumors in the industry right now. And for those who know enough about the industry, most of us know what those rumors are. And I wouldn't have given them really any thought if I hadn't won a golden door for one. Yeah. <laughs> that has won a golden door that has done it like the right way would probably be bothered by the rumors that are, that are heard. If they're true. The reason why I do believe they're true is because I I'm friends with people that have access to that information. Um, and I'm really like, I'm not trying to throw dirt or anything, but it's just really disappointing that we're at a point in this industry where we, where we kind of have to audit things. In, in my opinion, if there isn't some sort of way to audit and focus on retention when it comes to pest control, golden door awards in the future, I really think that there, it devalues the award in and of itself. And yeah. the reason why I feel that way is because anybody that has experience with selling pest control and has gotten to that point, I mean, we, for people that are good, each of us gets to that point where you can, you can pretty much get just about anybody to sign it, but that doesn't mean it's solid accounts, mm -hmm. you know, like from selling one leggers to just being straight up dishonest and telling people that they can cancel anytime. When you have that amount of drop off where there's rumors of having like less than 50% retention, which those rumors are out there, yeah. there's really no way for that to happen without there being some level of dishonesty or just throwing dog crap accounts at a wall and seeing what sticks. The reason why I feel like I kind of have a unique perspective on this, and I don't know, there's some, I'm, I'm sure there's some golden door winners out there that might have the same perspective, but the uniqueness that I had was urban X was never a super large door to door pest control company. As far as like Utah culture mm -hmm. goes, they're really big out in Tennessee. And they kind of had their own recruiting thing going on. But uh, we never really had massive, massive heavy hitters. Okay. So when it came to me, all of a sudden selling 1500 accounts, I was paid a pay go system, meaning I got paid as the accounts got serviced. So I took an extremely high interest in making sure those accounts stuck because of two reasons. Number one, at that time, I never assumed that I was going to leave UrbanX. I never, I didn't have any plans to. So any account I sold, I was going to be able to keep permanently. And that's what I wanted. I wanted my equity, my net worth to grow through, through the summer. And then number two, um, crap, dude, I just totally lost my, my train of thought. You're talking about both of us have ADHD before, dude. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But Essentially, I had a vested interest in, in keeping those accounts. Um, my trailing 12 month, now this isn't about backends because I didn't have a backend, okay? But anybody- um, it, And most people's backends is what, six months? Six yeah, months after you sell it? About that. Yeah. So 
when you think about it, even like a 30% cancel rate, if somebody had a 70% cancel rate, and the reason why I can say this is because I've seen the accounts and I know what it looks like on the door-to-door side, on the ownership side, when you keep an account all throughout the year. Those accounts don't magically just stop canceling at your cancel rate by the time backends stop or we get paid out. Like customers don't know about the backend. Okay, they, they can, if there's a downward tra- trajectory of cancellations, that trajectory is going to continue throughout the year. It doesn't just magically stop. Mm. In fact, it, it doesn't even stop past that first year. Um, so, so what are the incentives for owners to, you know, recruit these, these guys, you know, people that have high cancellation rates because, or how do they know? Or do they just not know? Because you're an owner, you know, it's like, Hey, it doesn't even make sense to have these high sales or is it just so you get the clout so you can get more recruits or what, what's it don't make sense if you're to be dishonest about it like if you're going to be dishonest about it and paint them as something that they're really not like you can't call somebody the greatest of all time if they've sold a million dollars worth of revenue but the retention rate was below 40 or was around 40 percent that's four hundred thousand dollars in stuff that's been paid out the only way that they would get paid for more than that is if they had some sort of deal to stick around or honestly some some pest control companies in the industry and again i'm not trying to throw shade i'm just laying it out for how real it is yeah. some of them use that as leverage to keep that person there be like hey you know you had a really crappy cancellation amount like your retention was horrible but we'll still pay you on some of these accounts um if you stick around and so now in order for them to make money off of that situation in order for it to be profitable because they're not making money off of those accounts. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) month thing rolls around. It's probably closer to 30%. And that's not an exaggeration, like in any way, shape or form. That's not an exaggeration. So so for people that aren't in pest control, that's 70% of customers canceling, right? Yeah. Now that's not the norm. Like that's not, but that's just what we're hearing about right now. Yeah. So an, an average cancellation rate over the course of 12 months, the industry average is about 2.5% of your customer base is going to cancel per month. And you can do things like you can optimize systems to kind of control that and decrease it a little bit, but that's pretty much the norm. So well, I know when I was at GreenX, I mean, are you talking about systems before the sell or after the sale, because I feel like, well, like, I mean, when the sales reps there and during the sales process or after, because I feel like a lot of it is during it and GreenX, what they did was super smart is, yeah, we had a welcome call and I feel like everyone's cancellation rate totally went, you know, like was a lot better because you couldn't just throw yeah. something on. So if you wanted to get that done, you had a call. Um, so you couldn't just say, oh yeah, let me uh, do the credit card, you know, or just check and then throw it on no more of that so are you talking about those type of systems or yeah absolutely it it both is on the sales rep to set correct expectations and also on the company to have the the correct systems to train csrs to do certain things like welcome calls and even when people try to call in and cancel you know it has to be treated you have to treat it as if it's a door-to-door thing you know you have to teach your csrs how to use aces and how to resolve concerns and reclose and you have to fight for your life to keep those customers. You know, anybody that has a door-to-door background knows how hard it is to gain customers. 
it's significantly if, with the, with the effort in the correct place on the service side of the business, you, it, it just makes sense to put effort in training the service side of the business, like the operations, like the CSRs to the technicians. They, if you have things optimized, you can decrease those cancellations quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's good for, to understand on the business side. And honestly, that goes into something that I know you're passionate about as well. Um, you were just saying it's like the expectation the rep needs to set the expectation the service better be that expectation and so we were talking about contract values you know before this call like yeah what, what are your thoughts on that um the industry is just selling a ton of high contract values but Dude, we're you know, hitting I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing we're, we're hitting all the like the, the things man <laughs> so opinion on contract hey, i know that i feel bad because you know i'm just the one asking and if you get crap from people it's on you, so. <laughs> I might get some, but you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. Hey, we're shining light on it, you know? Yeah. So when it comes to contract values, I am super down with high contract values. But the thing is, is when it comes to the longevity of the customer, I remember seeing this video from one of the, one of the people that, uh, I just remember seeing this video that explained why they were going to sell high contract values. And they said, yes, it does shorten the, cut, the, the lifespan of the customer. Like it speeds it up, speeds up the customer lifecycle process. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe that you should aim to have a customer for life. And when you're selling people, that should be the main goal. I know a door-to-door -door sales rep's not going to think that way. Um, but being on both sides of it, that's, that's really what it should be like. And so when it comes to the value, it is going to speed up. The life cycle of that customer and they will cancel if there's a, a lack if there's a lack of correlation between the price and the value that they're receiving i think a lot of these companies out here and i know everybody likes to cheerlead for their favorite company the one that they knock for but the reality of the situation is is that there's a lot of companies out there that do not provide any value beyond a normal general perimeter service and do I think that people should automatically be spending more than $700 a year, like an extra $300 a year, just for the same service to be on two times more throughout the year? No, I don't think so. But that's where companies like me, where I'm going to look at that and I'm going to take advantage of it because I'm going to see that there's a discrepancy between the value and the price. And I'm not going to undercut. I'm going to be like, you know what? Let me show you what I can do. And I'm going to look for those different angles that I can take. And I'm going to take advantage of it. So mm. if you're going to increase the price, I'm all for it. But if the value is not there on the service side, which I think we can all agree that most of these companies put a lot of effort on the sales side. They put all their resources into amping up the sales side to the detriment of the service side. Mm. Yeah. And service seriously lacking. You know, it's, uh, it is not some of these, some of the pest control companies in the world are like, like if you could equate their sales organizations to cars, there's a lot of Lamborghinis and a lot of really high powered sales machines out there, but the sales, the service side doesn't match it. It's no different than any other pest control company. They have like a Buick, Buick engine in it. <laughs> you can't sell a Lamborghini service, but then deliver a Buick. So, and if you do, well, that's, that's door to door. I mean, that's what, a lot of reps are doing which 
I think that's where the high, you know, and I think we we're talking about this before is, yeah, dude, I mean, you, you're going to get some cancellations and some of it might be, hey, like, yeah, it might be on the operations side. Be like, you guys told us this is our pitch. This is what we pitch on. But then the service comes, doesn't match. So, like, I feel like that's where the company should go in and be like, okay, if we're having cancellations, is that on us? But also then it's like, okay, the, the rep knows exactly what the customer is getting for the service. But yeah, they're, you know, let's say it's a Honda, you know, but they're like, oh, let's sell them a Lamborghini. But I feel like in sales, and this is just me saying it, is if you're, the service is a Honda, you got to like, you got to sell an Acura or something, you know, like if you just sell a Honda, no one's going to buy it. They're going to be like, oh, go online, just buy it. But you got to at least sell like an Acura. But it's like when you sell the Lamborghini, I don't know. That's what I, that's how I think about it. You know, dude, I'm all about selling Lamborghinis if you're delivering a Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah, if the service matches, of course, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. That's that's just how I feel about it. Okay, no, yeah, I, that makes sense. So let's go back to your the pay-go versus back-end. I think that, you know, owners listening, sales reps, it's like, you know, the economy, people, we work on incentives. And that's just, you know, when I was in economics class, we learned about that all the time. And so incentives doesn't mean like, oh, a segue or whatever. Like that's like the sales incentives, but it's like, how do we motivate? And so as a company, you know, how should a company incentivize, not incentivize, like give incentives out to their sales reps to sell better contracts? And I think that goes along with your pay go thing, but let me hear your thoughts about that. Well, so with go, it wasn't originally my idea to do a pay go when I sold the accounts. I wanted a back end because I wanted, Money earlier <laughs> yeah i mean yeah well dude i you know a lot of reps are getting paygos and people are using that as recruiting tactics to say oh this and that but i honestly like to pay go better yeah a lot of times with paygo um some companies won't do chargebacks with paygo at zunex we don't um honestly because the math behind it's too difficult to do and i just want to simplify things <laughs> yeah. but um i like paygo a lot. I think that it would have been really hard for us to grow at Zunax without doing a Pago system. I think that with Pago, there is. Uh, I think it could. I think that it could restore quite a bit of integrity to the sales process and to like sales records and golden doors and just like the industry as a whole. It would remove, in my opinion, it would remove a lot of entitlement. Um, and kind of. It would be a good reset. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's going to happen. Like I think that people will chase the dollar and uh, the industry as far as like commissions go. I think that's. I think that pest control sales reps are always going to lean more towards the entitled side of the spectrum, and I don't know that that's going to change. And I. I hate to say that to the pest control industry as a whole, because I was. I was one of those. <laughs> but there is truth to it. Um. I think if you really want to. If you really want to uh, incentivize reps to have sticky accounts, it makes sense to do it pay go. Mm-hmm. On the sales rep side, the benefit of pay go is often there's no chargebacks. And hey, explain what a pay go is. I mean, I, me and you both know. I just realized okay. that. But explain it to so, someone that doesn't know. Go system is a system in which you're just paid your percentage as the services get done, and there is no back end. So. The benefit of it is that 
there's no chargebacks. So if, if a service gets done three times, but it needs to be done four times in a traditional backend period, um, if a service gets done three times, but they cancel, in a Pago system, oftentimes you're not done, you're not given a charge back. So rather than get paid, getting paid nothing on that account with a Pago system, you'd still get paid because the business received money for that mm -hmm. service, the service was done. So you still get paid. The downside is, is that it does require more patience. And in order to get receive a full commission, they have to stick, stick, uh, stick throughout their entire contract. So if it's a, a one-year agreement, they need to get they need to stay for the entire year. So yeah, it's, yeah, well, it's I, not I, I, on sorry, the side sorry. sales reps, but if owners were smart, that's what they would do. Well, I've seen, yeah, I've seen the pay go go the other way. You just like made a light bulb go off where the way that I've seen it sometimes is the pay go, the reps get screwed because what you were just saying, it's like, hey, you get paid no matter what. But some what some companies are doing is a pay go and then they still have a cutoff date. So they're getting the best of both oh. worlds. You know, you know, so it's like, hey, we're going to pay you up until, you know, January 1st or January 15th. Um, and then we're going to like re-amortize your, your monthly payments or whatever. But what they're doing is they're taking like your active accounts. So it's, I don't know. So what you just said, it's kind of like, oh, the rep's getting the... Yeah, <laughs> they're I... still getting paid 12 months, over 12 months instead of six, mm -hmm. but they're still getting that drop off. So what you just described, I think needs to happen is, yeah, it takes a lot longer, but there's no drop offs. It's like, yeah, oh, that's how we do it right now. There's a couple, there's a lot of different ways to get it done. That's just how we do it. I don't know that the way that we do it is the best for everybody, but I think that. Well, it, what you're wanting to do, because you're, you want to be sustainable. You don't care about putting on a billion accounts. It's like, no, you're going to grow I, smoothly. And uh, I've told like my partners as we went into this, that I would never sell because I, I plan on being profitable. And I don't want to, I'm building to keep. Yeah, yeah. Pest control can be a real, like real estate, you know? Yeah, it can. So, dude, it's like, you're you a smart guy. Everyone, I'd be jealous of you. It's like, you can get a big payday, but you're going to have to pay a ton of taxes on that um, if you get acquired. So that's smart, man. What's, um? I want to go over, yeah, a couple more things which is pest control then i want to get into like your thoughts on the pest for solar type of thing but sure. you know what is it i know before you're talking about and zunix is structured like this like what are your thoughts on pest control structure and like ownership structure sometimes regionals think that they're owners but they're really just so that. let's hear it i say this with um like a lot of love because i have a i have a lot of friends I like to think that in the industry, I never really burned bridges with, with places that I came, like I left behind. Um, and so I have friends over at UrbanX and I still have a lot of friends over at Active. But a part of the reason why I left, and this is gonna be, I'm, the reason why I'm bringing this up and I'm explaining it this way is it's kind of laying the groundwork for why I believe the way that I believe, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that my opinion is the end all be all or that I'm right. You don't have to agree with me, but it's just my, my opinion. Yeah. But when I, when I looked at my life and where I wanted to be five to 10 years from now, I asked myself, do I want to be a regional 
And the answer was no. <laughs> I don't want to be a regional. I want to be the guy that has his hand on the steering wheel. And that's not an egotistical thing. It's a, it's more of a growth thing. I don't, I don't want, it's not because I feel like I need to be in control or, um, yeah, like it's not that I'm like controlling. It's just, I want to steer my own ship in my life, you know? And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be an owner, to be an entrepreneur. There is a distinct difference though. And I think there's a lot of confusion between, between being an entrepreneur and being an intrapreneur. Mm-hmm. A regional in a lot of ways is an entrepreneur. And so are, in my opinion, a lot of branch owners. Now I'm friends with a lot of people that, that own pest control companies. I'm friends with a lot of minority owners and a lot of majority owners who are like the branch partners and like the corporate partners that kind of divvy out everything and, and operate all the systems. So part of the reason why I decided to open up Zunex was because I felt like even though I was a branch owner and I had ownership in my branch, I felt frustration in the sense that my level of impact was limited to the area that I was perceived to bring value in. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that was that my the value that I was able to bring and the impact I was able to, to have within the organization that I, I owned was limited to the doors. And as long as people in branch ownership who go that route, as long as they understand that, that they are really kind of fitting themselves into a machine. And that machine wants them to do one thing. More often than not, it's not always that case. Like I said, there's a lot of partners, a lot of people that I know that do their partnerships the right way. But a lot of people go into this with this idea that everything's gonna be fine and it's gonna be good. And, but the reality is, is that a lot of these partners with branch partners, a lot of them have an expiration date. And that expiration date either happens when they stop performing and doing what they're supposed to be doing, or they no longer are fulfilled by that role. And when that happens, you have to ask yourself, is there room for me on the organizational side of it? Am I going to be able to transition and bring value to the organization? Or am I only valued for what I'm doing right now, which is Mm -hmm. recruiting and door knocking? A lot of people (laughs) find themselves in that situation. So when it comes to regionals and branch managers, in a lot of ways, they're, they're both kind of like golden handcuffs. They're both kind of their own ball and chain where for whatever reason, whether it's intimidation of saying, hey, if you leave, I'm going to sue you because you have to, or like if you leave, you have to leave your whole network behind or- Typical door-to-door stuff. <laughs> yeah, typical door-to-door stuff, which it happens. It's yeah. the dirty stuff people don't like to talk about, but yeah. it, it, does, it does happen. And it's really unfortunate it is. There's also the side of, you know, just being burnt out and, uh, you know, feeling like you're just kind of running on fumes and not being, feeling fulfilled. So when it comes down to it, that's kind of my thought process on it. But it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a negative thing. It all, it all depends on perspective. I feel like some organizations or some door-to-door people need to have a better, like, they just need to understand fully what it is that they're doing. Because if you don't, and you don't pay attention to the paperwork, you can really get screwed over, like really get screwed over. And um, if you just think that you're going to be a branch partner 
and put in your years, best your years, do what you're supposed to do for the besting period. And then you're just going to kick your feet up and people are going to be happy about it. It's not going to happen that way. There's going to be a way that you're removed, whether it's through them buying you out at a discounted rate that you probably don't know what it is until the, that time comes. Or there are happy exits though, like where you agree to sell. Um, there are happy exits, but there's a lot of sad ones too. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to ownership, when it comes to Zunex, this is something that I see in the industry is uh, that is like a, a niche that I'm trying to fill. Right now, Zunex is in a position where we're, it's kind of unique. You know, we've through, uh, through necessity, we've learned how to grow, not using door-to-door -door sales. Okay. I took that obsession that I had that got me those 1500 accounts and channeled it into non door to door sales, because honestly, I, I didn't want to knock it at the time, <laughs> but I still want to grow. And I also couldn't afford to have a huge 20 person, 30 person team at the time we were brand new. We've, we've only been in business now for 18 months, but yeah. at month we'll have our 11th man, which I think is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. It's That's pretty cool. Insane. That's crazy. Holy. Yeah. And we've been able to maintain a ratio of 50 to 50, like 50% non door to door, 50% door to door. Okay. Wow. So, um, but essentially, sorry, I'm rambling. I have ADD pretty bad, but oh, where I'm you're good. is that there's a niche for, at least for us at Zunex for the, for the time being, we are looking for help with recruiting and filling a normal branch manager role, but we are also looking for organizational leadership as well. Mm. That's that I don't think every company can offer because some of these, some of these large companies, they're finely tuned machines. They are already Lamborghinis. That's mm -hmm. like the organization, the certified, but the systems and processes, you don't become a PCT 100 level company, which is the largest hundred pest control companies in North America, which a lot of door-to-door -door guys companies are, you don't become that way without having systems in place. You have to be organized. Yeah. And a lot of them are not going to allow any, any kind of influence that they don't want in it. They want you to do your thing. But with us, we're looking for yeah, leadership. They bring on the MBAs, the top guys. It's like, we don't want a door-to-door -door guy being our VP of something. Like, be the VP of sales. Yeah. But in reality, you're just a, you know, a a regional, but it's like, yeah, VP of strategy and stuff. It's like, dude, those guys are hiring Harvard freaking Yale guys, you know? I've seen it. So, yeah, you're right. I plan on hiring those people at first, like at some point, but I'm actually a, a proud college dropout. <laughs> Good. Most door to door guys are, you know? But hey, you need those guys. Those guys are the ones who set up the real good processes and think about things. I've had some people say to me that I'll never find leadership or what I'm looking for in door-to-door -door guys. And I wholeheartedly disagree because I was one of those door-to-door -door guys. And my business partner, he's like my right-hand man. His name is Skyler. His name is Skyler White. He sold for points for years. He's somebody that could eat. I, I firmly believe that he's golden door level tier type of rep, but he brings so much value on the organizational side. He's just a leader of people. Um, he brings so much organizational clarity and I never would have found him if I didn't reach out to him when he was still knocking up at point pest control. And so there are people out there 
that, you know, they'd be good at both. They'd be good at knocking, doing sales, but they also have that little itch, that real entrepreneurial itch. And I'm not talking about being plugged into a system where you're a minority owner, where you don't really have any say in the organization. That's different. There's people who really want their hand on the steering wheel. And that is honestly kind of scary um, to have your hand on the steering wheel, because when it comes to real entrepreneurship, a lot of times there really is no right answer. The answer is what you choose to do. And you find out later if it worked or not. Yeah, you know? that's the definition of entrepreneurship. That is the definition of so, entrepreneurship. So what do you tell reps that, um, what do you think reps should do? Like, I think you probably have a lot to talk about on this, but if a rep, you know, they do have that itch. They're not just, hey, the plug and play. Because if you think that you're the itch and you're the entrepreneur, you go, you go and leave and start your own company, bad things could happen. So reps that actually have the itch could start their own company. Do you think it's wise to do that? It can be. I think that for one, if you have that itch, you need to realize right now, it'll never go away. It'll, it'll never go away until you scratch it in some way or another. For some people, they'll be, they'll be happy for a while being a minority partner, but that happiness won't last super long. I mean, it, it can, but it does have an expiration date on it. When you realize and you've found enough fulfillment in fulfilling your role in that, in that capacity, and then there's no more room to grow on a personal level, that's where they'll become issues and where that itch will come back again. It's not about money. It's about fulfillment, you know, mm. and personal progress. If, if you're at, a, if you're reaching and you're hitting your ceiling and it's either you're just burnt out or there's just no more room to grow, you, you have to find a way to do it. And um, so what I would recommend is first off, figure out what you want. If you have that itch and you really want that, talk to me. That's my advice. Talk to me yeah. because I'm actually looking for people in to help me fill those roles. How, how do how do people uh, reach out to you? Um, they can reach out to me on Instagram. My what's Instagram. What's your handle? Yeah. Be Josh Zuniga. Wait, say it again. Cool. Sorry. Be Josh Zuniga. Sweet. We'll put it. We'll put it in the bio too. Yeah, but um, if you're going to just do door to doors do door to door while you're in college. Um, I would just pick a good company, you know, pick a, pick a solid company that you can believe in. You believe in their culture. They have good training. They have good people. You know, when you have large organizations, there's always going to be good people and there's always going to be bad people. Yep. So there's good and there's goodness in every single company that's out there. Like the Mormons, dude. You're yeah. going to have the bad ones and the good ones, dude. It, it really just kind of depends on what your core values are, what you want out of the experience. But there's a lot of really good companies out there. And um, I don't always believe that the grass is always greener. I think the grass is greenest at Zunex. <laughs> but uh, I think the, for reps, the grass is usually greenest where you water it. But with that being said, I would really only say that's true for reps that are only going to do this in college. Now, this is my opinion, kind of touching on pest versus solar, okay? Dang, that's what I was going to get into, so love it. So to this, if you're the kind of person that's going to make a career out of door, like you just, the money's too good in, in pest control and door-to-door sales, but you do not enjoy recruiting, you don't really want to lead. 
but you're, you're, you're down to like throw down and push really hard. I would immediately go into solar. If you don't want any responsibilities of recruiting, of leading, but you want to throw down, there's definitely a window right now where solar's it when it comes to doing your own thing. It's a quick payday, but when money comes, it, it also goes. So you have, if I was to do it over again and I wasn't, if I didn't open up Zunex, there's, there's maybe a window of time in which somebody could have, could have snagged me and I may have done solar. Dang. I probably would have taken and saved most of my earnings to open up a pest control company because when it comes to, when it comes to the two industries, I feel like um, pest control is the turtle and solar is the hare. Mm. You know, one of them's faster, you're gonna get quicker money. But I think that pest control, pest control is an industry that's never gonna be disrupted, whether it's from technology. People have been using the same spray cans for over a hundred years. It's not going anywhere. I mean, there's people, like there's, there is a possibility of using things like drones or smart technology, but that's never gonna, it's, it's too expensive. It's never, it's never gonna be the same thing, you know? Well, so, I mean, I don't see it one company doing it. It's just gonna be, no. yeah, the door to door guys are still gonna be knocking. And the, I still think that it's just gonna be the manufacturers selling the drones. So yeah. it's, it's really not going away. If you are gonna like be, in pest control for longer than five years, or you plan on utilizing or door knocking for more than that, I would only go and work at a place where you could actually build something. I don't know that residuals would be enough for me to stick around. I would want equity in a branch. So there are specific companies that offer that and there's specific ones that don't. And then there's some that offer residuals. Residuals are a step in the right direction, but ultimately, if you're planning on doing this, you, need to, you, you want to make sure that you're getting a piece of the pie. Um, I think that, that that's my opinion. I think that solar is good, quick money for some people. I'll always wonder because I have friends who have won pest control golden doors who do solar and they kill it. I, I think I'll, part of me will always wonder what I could have done in solar, but I don't have any regrets about doing it. I think that if you want to dive deep into this conversation with solar versus uh, pest control ownership, another good person to have on your podcast would, would be Marshall Hawks. He was a I'm really good, here, he was a top level solar salesman. And then he switched to the pest control industry. He did it backwards. A lot of people leave pest control for solar, but he did it backwards. And now he owns a branch for Fox pest control. Oh, dude, I was going to say, I'm like, why does his name sound so familiar? I was like, yeah, Zunex, but yeah. That's, yeah, let's get him on here, dude. Let's hear, let's super, hear the opposite story. Yeah. What his uh, ideas are. No, dude, yeah, that's, <clears throat> I think it's funny because, yeah, everyone's talking about pest or solar, and a lot of people, I think, have your same thoughts and opinions. Everyone says it, too. Like, this isn't me just saying it's not you. If you're in a recruiting meeting, a like a legit recruiter will say, hey, how long do you want to do door-to-door -door for? I, and I think managers should do that. I mean, yeah, you want to get the recruit, you want to get the money, but how it should be, if you're a pest control manager, you should say, how long do you want to do door-to-door -door for? It's like, oh, X amount of time. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, you could go and kill it. Well, sorry, then the next question I'd ask, do you want to recruit? 
this is just me saying this, but it's like overrides and pest control way higher than overrides and solar. Um, I was just talking with a buddy today. He has a huge, huge team in solar. And he told me how much he's making on overrides. I'm like, no, that's good. I mean, really good. But I'm like, okay, you have the X amount of guys. You would have made like so much more in, in pests. And that's not a hit on, on solar. I know people are going to be pissed now, but I don't care. Um, that's, but that's, that's just the name of it where, you, you know, you should add, you know, if you're a rep, you're like, okay, do I just want to go and just sell? Like you were saying, solar, 100%. You're, You'll make so much money. They want to sell and recruit. You know, make make the decision. Can you really sell and can you really recruit? It's like, I think it's up in the air then. But when it comes to recruiting's done in pest. When it comes to the sales rep side, it's debatable and it's not always a perfect fit for everybody. It could go either yeah. way. But when it comes to ownership versus solar, and I've talked to Marshall Hawks about this, pest control ownership all the way, and that's. That's something that probably doesn't sound as sexy or might uh, it might rub people in the solar industry the wrong way. But the honest truth is that uh, I keep every single piece of the revenue that comes in and it keeps growing. But the issue with solar, while it's a lot of money really quick, it goes really quick. Unless you're smart about it, which a lot of people aren't. <laughs> And you're investing your solar money that you're making into other assets. Assets are the key, man. You know, quick money is not the answer um, yeah. temporarily, but you need to be building your net worth. Well, dude, I was just about to talk about assets, you know, to, to finish off here. It's like, you know, it's funny. We're, we're just shining light on stuff. We've said that so many times. I think me and you, me and you are just nice guys. And it's just like, we're just shining light, but. In solar, what in reality, it's like you have the dealers, you have the installers. In reality, there's really no assets. <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only big and real asset that is valuable in solar is the financing, is the loans. So unless your company has the loans, that's what someone could come and acquire. <laughs> Sorry. And that's what they would purchase. But with pest control, so if you're, sorry, if you're in ownership in solar, it's like, yeah, you're making a ton of cash, but in business, you got to think about the exit, which I know it, it, in pest control, it's different because it's like real estate, real estate and pest control are on its own Island because it's um, recurring revenue. You know, you have your rent, your pest control, that's different. But when it's an asset, that's not recurring revenue. It's, it's like, you got to think about it that way. So ownership and pest control, yeah, you're right. It's like that matters. But if you have ownership in solar, what are your thoughts on that? Where it's like, what does that even mean? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what ownership in solar even looks like. Okay. I thought that, yeah, that's what you're saying. You're like, oh, be, picking between ownership and pest and solar, which one would you choose? I if I had one or the other, I would, I would try, probably try to find a way to pick both, to be honest. But um, like with where Zunex is planning on going within the next 10, 10 15 years. I don't know that the solar industry would be the same, but I love selling high ticket items and I plan on having operations in the Southeastern United States. So I'll, I will dabble in solar at some point, but um, I just love pest control, man. The reason why I like it um, is for a lot of reasons. It's, it's hard to break it down into one thing, but I will, I will share one thing. So point pest control, there's two points. 
there is um, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. They recently just sold for one of the largest multiples ever. They, they sold, uh, they were like roughly around a little over $20 million. And they sold just recently for a little under $100 million. Wow. So multiples like that are really like, I don't know why pest control is this way, but it just, it's, it's common to get really weird multiples. Like it's, it's like that in the tech industry and pest control. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, there's a decent amount of people out there in the industry. There's definitely a lot of regionals out there whose teams put on a, like over the course of them being at an organization who have, whose, whose teams have put on 20 million accounts. You know, there's, there's big dogs out there that are like that. Where's their in, in revenue? Yeah. 20 million revenue. Yeah. Where's the asset, you know, like from that amount of work that you're putting in, they don't have any access to a customer list. This is more kind of like on the regional side of pest control, not so much the solar, but like they're getting a good payout, but uh, the person that owns that pie is going to flip it and sell it for significantly more. That or get access to the list and say, hey, let's sell all of our customers solar. And they make yeah. more, you know, the list Probably. is. That's what I want to do, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think all pest control companies, a lot of people are trying to do it. It's just like, Dude, you, you should. You're you're home, doing home services, so it's like, yeah, I do, we, we do pest control, we do solar, and the thing about solar, it's easy. Yeah, you you're a dealer at that point. Not easy, but you're a dealer. You just hook up with the installer. It's not like, hey, we're doing, you know, lawn now. It's like, oh, it's a whole nother like service yeah. that you have to master. So I, you should do it, dude. I'll think about it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know much about the solar market here in Seattle. I'm. Just without without knowing a lot about it, I'm not super optimistic about it. <laughs> Rain, cloudy. No, I'm just kidding. But maybe once we move to, move to the southeast. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, anyways, solar, what are they saying, like 1% of households have solar on it or something? So we're just at the beginning still. Um, and, you know, I think, I, dude, I love this conversation. It's been the most open conversation we've had on this podcast. Um, dude, there's a lot to come on and tell you fluff yeah I'll, I'll be honest this podcast like most of the podcasts that i've done with people have been really like happy like like just give your best effort but this one has been kind of more raw and more open about like how i really feel about some things that are frustrating in the industry right now or things that maybe are maybe controversial or things that are just happening in the industry this is these are just my opinions doesn't make it a fact but um that's just my thoughts on it no, dude, I love that. And yeah, when you're honest, I mean, we've seen it with Trump. It's like when you're honest, you're going to get, you know, people pissed, you know, or you could be those fake politicians. And, you know, it's like, oh, everyone loves you. But in reality, you suck. I Just like stuff like that, where I'd rather the honesty and yeah, you get hated by a couple people. But I think most people are like, hey, thanks for that. And it's helping the industry become better. Like, that's our goal. It's like, you know, we're following behind Sam Taggart where it's like, yeah, he's like, does all the training resources. And it's like, we just want to be the news and help, you know, with that vision and like uplift the industry and make it better. And you've helped us do that today, dude. Like whoever's listening to this is going to understand. Yeah. This, these are the things that should change. They might not, but this is what should change. And, you know, there's some ways that we can help. So dude, yeah, it's, it's been great. And I'm going to put this at the beginning. Um, 
also of your like uh, testimonial or your warning <laughs> to everyone, just so they know, because I know that you're, you know, happy guy, but I, we were messaging and you, I brought you on and I'm like, Hey, let's just be candid. So yeah, it probably did seem like, dang, that was rough. Like that was raw, but we needed it. Yeah. We needed it. Um, the industry needs it. I hope we bring on more people that are open like this to keep on bringing light to it. And let's, let's keep doing it, dude. So what's uh, the last piece of advice for a sales rep before we hop off? So, I mean, there's a lot of things that I could say, but um, I think that a lot of us, when we're knocking doors, a lot of us really know when we're giving our best effort, you know, whether we're, we're really giving our, our, our best uh, go at, at what it is that we're doing. I found myself finding a lot of good reasons to not, especially when I was in a leadership position. But if you're a leader, the reality is the best thing that you can do is lead from the front. You will do infinitely more for your sales reps by being an example of what it is to push through and knock, even if you don't want to knock, then you will making excuses and saying, you know what, this is a good time for me to go out and hold my sales reps hand because they're struggling. Your example of going out and knocking will do more to help them than you holding their hand. So that's my advice for leaders and for um, sales reps in general, learn as much as you can from your leaders. And you'll learn really quick, either if they're, they're, if they're leaders that you wanna follow or not. So, but while you can and you have their ear, learn as much as you can and just dive as, as hard into this experience as you can. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I mean, people say it differently, and but what you just said, it's like reps need to take that and just know it's like door to door is all about being the example. Or else your reps just aren't going to knock. It's too hard. It's too hard of a job for your rookies to say, "Oh yeah, he he's not knocking, so I'm not going to." So, yeah, great, dude, Josh. Thanks for coming on, man. Like this has been perfect. It's been amazing. So, um, yeah, if you, if you want to contact Josh, <clears throat> um, we'll put his Instagram handle in the bio um, and potentially more contact info, but Josh is killing it. And dude, we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks for coming on.